0: Well, good morning. I I was a little bit of a risk playing that video because I think people are going to go, what in the world are we going to look at? If you like those videos, there are actually a ton of them. They're uh, thebibleproject.org. So you can check it out and get an overview on almost every book of the Bible. That's their goal. Well, hey, I'm uh, Pastor Jim. I'm the adult ministry pastor. And my role here is to help you to make friends with each other, to form relationships, to I can't do it, but to let your hair down and uh, be known and know each other for the purpose of of growing deeper and learning how to serve the Lord. So today, uh, I want us to look at the life of a man by the name of Solomon. Solomon wrote three books in the Bible. He wrote, uh, as you saw, uh, Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless, it's all hell of vapor, uh, he wrote Proverbs, 29 to the 31 Proverbs. And he wrote a book called Song of Songs, which is a great book for married people. It's the erotic book in the Bible. And uh, Jews were not allowed to read that until they were 30. So Solomon wrote all those books. And uh, we're going to look at his life. And I, I trust that you're going to hang with me because we're going we're to look at some details of his life. Because as we do, you're going to find that Solomon pretty much had everything that most Americans dream of that his life was an epic failure and that's not something that is God's heart you know our hope is in Christ alone all the songs that we just sang are even in our failures God can turn us around but there's one thing that we have to do we have to have a long obedience in the same direction and we have to trust Christ and trust God to do that. Now, pull out your uh, yellow sheet and I'm going to tell you something wonderful. Uh, we're not going to look at the back side of this. okay? The Bible, can it's said that it's uh, shallow enough to not drown the, the newest believer, but has depth that that the deepest theologian can't sound. So if you're Carlos over there, you know, who likes ancient literature, you can go, why isn't that interesting? That's a chaotic structure after the, the Greek letter X. Well, that's great. So talk to Carlos after, afterwards, you can, uh, but it does sum up the entire life of Solomon with some depth, and I said, this is just too good. So if you like that kind of thing, great. If not, uh, you don't have to read it, okay? But I've learned here that coming from churches where I had to preach for 45 minutes, 25, 30, so good. And all God's children said, amen, "Amen. it's a beautiful day out. (laughs) All right, so I'm not going to do that. The mind cannot absorb what the bottom can't endure, right? So we're going to keep going. All right, so three kings. uh, So you had David, and David was the the height of, of Israel, the golden age, the man after God's own heart. Jesus refers to him. And Jesus is actually referred to as the Son of David, and the wisest one, the one who personified uh, wisdom, and he's the one who offers us life and life to the full, and to fo- oh, excuse me, to follow him. There's three kings that are, di- that, are in dis- that are distinct in the uh, the uh, Old Testament there, and those kings we've t- we've already addressed one of them, Hezekiah. Didn't Joe do a good job? The one that, would, that basically trusted in God. When Sennacherib came, he took his letter, put it down before the Lord and prayed it through. And then his army was decimated. They don't know if it's a bubonic plague or whatever. But anyway, God showed up and delivered him and rewarded him for his faith. For taking God at his word. For trusting him. For having a single-hearted devotion to Christ. The other one is Josiah. I don't know what Pastor Keith is preaching in next week, but wholehearted love for God. And the last one that we're going to look at today is Solomon, who asked for wisdom to govern diligently. Now, I don't know about you, but I hope that you're someone that says, man, I I want that wisdom. And it's available for us. Proverbs 31 chapters, one a day. You can become wise. God offers that to us And if we gain wisdom, it is likely that you will have a broader perspective on life, and you will be able to succeed in areas where others won't. We can learn a ton from Solomon, but unfortunately, we're going to see that we can probably learn much more from Solomon, from his life, by what not to do, because Solomon, well, he got distracted. Some of this hits way too close for home for me. I, I get distracted. That's, that's true. Not, not many of you know me, right? It's true. Squirrel, right? You know, something like that. Today we have access to so much information. We, there's like nothing you can't look up on your smartphone. We live in, in pretty, a pretty comfortable setting. Is the air conditioning right for you all? Sweet, right? So we're comfortable. And the majority of us are pretty good church people. You know, we don't have the man after God's own heart as our father, growing up in that household, learning from him. But we probably come from a fairly good background. And if you don't, I just want to be clear, you are so welcome. This is a great place for you. But the scary thing is, it's just all too easy for us to follow in the steps of Solomon because they're so subtle. It's one little compromise after another, one little step, and pretty soon after time, we're in deep trouble. Let's, uh, let's begin by looking at First uh, Kings chapter 3. You can pull out your tablets, phones, Bibles, whatever you have, uh, and we're going to see that St- Solomon started off well. Yay, Solomon. And you can cheer as we read this because towards the end, he did not finish well. And the, the Scripture says he had a heart. To hear. If you want to write that in for those of you visual learners, you can write in He had a heart to hear. So, Solomon chapter, uh, um, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. Solomon loved the Lord. Everybody say, Yay! Yay. He walked in the statues of his father David. Only he sacrificed and made offerings in the high places. Let's just hold that there. Ooh. And the Lord went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. This was the great high place, once again, Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Okay, so he has a heart to worship. It says he loves the Lord, so he has some interest in this. The question is, is this the most important? Is this an interest or the interest? That's a big difference. Well, he he offers all this ginormous offerings, a thousand burnt offerings, and uh, so he's giving sacrificially, saying, Lord, you're the king. Well, verse 5 says that Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, check this out. Ask what I shall give you. Now, I'm looking at this and, and Daniel, my 14-year-old who sprung up to 6-2, sometimes you play him, see him playing guitar. He was in a play, uh, uh, he was playing the Sultan in Aladdin. I thought, so is, is God kind of saying to Solomon, here you go. Here's a wish. What do you want? And then I opened a commentary, really conservative commentary. said, it's sort of like Aladdin. I'm like, what? It's there. I wonder what you would ask. Because it's telling of where our heart is. Is it, Lord, use me to make a difference for your kingdom. Don't let me fail. Well, Solomon chose well. Verse 6 says, and Solomon said, you have shown... Great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father. Because, why? Because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. You have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on the throne to this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, figure of speech, saying, hey, I need your help because his son Rehoboam was already born there, just parenthetically. I do not know how to go in or come out. Your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen. A great people, too many to count uh, for multitude. And here's what he says. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind, a listening heart. To govern your people. Why? Give me wisdom so I lead the people well. Say yea, Yeah. That I may be discerned between good and evil for who is able to govern these people. What he wants is help to lead and to lead well. Great prayer. That should be our prayer. It pleased the Lord to lead Uh, It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies. That's probably if you, you know, had the little lamp, wouldn't you think, how about riches and other stuff? Well, here's what he says. But have asked for yourself an understanding to discern what's right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. So he grants his request, so that none like you has ever before, they'll never, there'll never be one before you, and none like you shall rise afterwards. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honors, so that no king shall compare with you all your days. And, everybody say if, you walk in my ways. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes, my commands, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. I don't know about you, but it's it's like like Solomon hit the jackpot. You know, hey, I got a good dad. The country's united, Northern Kingdom, Southern Kingdom. It's the biggest area that's ever been there from the Euphrates to the. It's, it's a huge area, okay? Just suffice to say, big area of Israel. But there's a qualifier if you trust in me. How many of you find that to always be just easy? And, and he, oh, it's just so easy to trust in the Lord. Well, yeah, in Sunday school it is. On Sunday morning it is. But when you look and you go, Lord, you know, I had like a real lot of unexpected expenses. So I'm trying to trust you. And somebody told me first service. And then we prayed for him last week. and said, yeah, my basement flooded. <laughs> but he's trusting God. And when we do that in a long, obedient march in the same direction... God shows faithful to us for generations to come. God appears to Solomon. for He he speaks to Solomon twice and appears to him twice. And he says the same thing to Solomon three times. Walk in my ways. Have a united heart. You walk in the same direction in obedience. Same direction. In other words... Let your actions match your worship. Verse 15. Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for his servants. And then, uh, since this is like a, the most common Sunday school lesson, it was very obvious that God granted his request. It wasn't just a dream, because that's when the ladies brought the uh, the children, the child. Remember the story. You know, hey, you know, one of us rolled over and and she says it's her baby. I say it's mine. And Solomon says, okay, we'll cut it in half and give each a half. And the mother, the real mother, goes, no. And he says, that's the real mother. Give him the baby. And people were like, how did he get that wisdom? It's available, folks. Because God decided that he would live within us. What a high privilege. So that's the first thing. Solomon started off really well. Secondly, on your outline here is he accomplished much. But just like some of us who get distracted by shiny things, Solomon got distracted. Three W's. You know what the three W's are? Wisdom, wealth. Anybody know the third? What? Wives. Yes. Wisdom, wealth, wives. What singular or plural? Janet. Why? Is it singular or plural? Why? plural. Oh, that's not good. We'll get to there. All right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just listen to this. I'm, I'm going to highlight some of his accomplishments. God gave wisdom to Solomon and understanding beyond measure, beyond the breadth of the, sea shore, the sand on the seashore, so Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people in the east, all the wisdom of Egypt. And so... You know, he basically became knowledgeable in every area of life. And I was looking at this, and I don't know if Aaron Tolfa's is around, but I'm like, dude, you got to get this guy for the, for the venison dinner. Right? You've you got to get him. He, he would be a great speaker. New 3,000 Proverbs, 105, or 1,005 Psalms. And then listen, here he is. Imagine him speaking at the venison dinner. He spoke of trees from the cedars of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows in the wall. He also spoke of beasts and birds and reptiles and fish. Solomon was aware and his wisdom was deep and wide. The king, the queen of Sheba, probably the king of Sheba, where's Sheba? All the way in Yemen, about a thousand miles away. What's probably going on by the time we get to chapter 10 of 1 Kings is this is toward the end of Solomon's life before God rips the kingdom out of his hands after he dies. And the, the king of Sheba is pro, probably says to his queen, his wife, and says, hey, you better go see the Solomon guy because his ships are interfering with my merchant, my, my business. That's how broad and wide his success was. So she came and she asked Solomon all kinds of hard questions, and he answered them all. And it says there was was no more air in her. Solomon took her breath away with his wisdom. Amazing. Next W is wealth. In uh, 1 Kings 10, just to give you an idea, now the weight of the gold that came from Solomon that year was 666 talents. How much is a talent? I didn't know, so I looked it up. 57 pounds. So, where's Dave? I don't know what the price of gold I looked up was. Something like uh, 1,263 dollars an ounce. So 666 talents times 57 times 12 ounces times that. Anybody have it? Where's this, Craig Creator in here? He probably had. He does it. He's, I mean, look at him. He's calculating. It's something somewhere in the neighborhood of. $767 million. That's a pretty good year. That's a banner year. But wealth is shiny. And if we're not really careful, that shiny stuff can get us distracted. And our heart that's supposed to be obedient in, a, in the same direction and a long, for a long time can get distracted. And that's exactly what happened to him. He actually began to tax the te- people heavily. Heavily. And that's how he was able to uh, build the magnificent temple. Seven and a half years. Now, you have to stop here and think, okay, what is going on with Solomon? I mean, David David said, I want to build a temple for the Lord my God. Ran away from people like Saul and and his son Absalom. Spent ten years in the desert being humbled. And relying on God wholeheartedly. So when he got back in his kingdom, he said, I want to build a magnificent structure for the Lord. All the other gods in the area have houses. But ours is, you know, the Ark of the Covenant is in a tent. And God says, I don't need a house. (laughs) I don't dwell in structures. But your son Solomon will build one. And so he does. So my question is, the guy who is distracted... Did he build a temple to honor God as one of his interests or his main interests? Or did he build a temple to say, hey, see my temple? My God's better than your God. Maybe the the biggest thing we can learn from today is our motives are seldom pure. We almost always have mixed motives. That's why we have to really examine what what we're thinking. So, he builds a temple, and then he builds a house for himself. The temple took seven and a half years, and the temple took, and the temple took seven and a half years. His palace took 13 years to build. And then he built a, another palace, a kind of a matching one, for his Egyptian wife. Why does Solomon have an Egyptian wife? Wasn't there enough good Jewish girls in Israel? Why why does he have to to get an Egyptian wife? If we take a careful look at the first two verses in chapter 3, check check this out. I, I skipped this so we would focus on God's heart for Solomon. But look what it says here. Solomon made a marriage alliance with, everybody say it together, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter and he brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord. Interesting how he mentions building his palace first and then the temple of the Lord. The word order is important. And the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing in the high places because no temple had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions. We, we read that already but you can see seeds of distraction early on in Solomon's life. And friends, this is an Old Testament thing. It's 3,000 years ago, but it's so relevant right today because there's so many things that compete for our allegiance. When we read this, we can easily blow past Egypt and Pharaoh. But when a, when a Jewish reader reads this and says, Egypt and Pharaoh, and we see it mentioned again and again and again, they're trying to tell us something. Don't go back to Egypt where you were enslaved for 400 years. And we think, you know, I, I want to get a break. They never got a break. That's what the Sabbath is all about. Take a day off and rest. No, they made him work seven days a week. Think of Pharaoh. He was threatened as the, as the Israelis grew. And so he said, I'm going to kill all the young people, all the babies. But one of them escaped. His name was Moses. And Moses came through. God threw Moses. You know, the ten plagues, those are all Egyptian gods. And then they're backed up, the, backed up against the Red Sea. And God says, who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust in yourselves? Well, they didn't have any skills. They've been slaves. no watch this i'm gonna separate the sea they're gonna walk through it you're gonna go out come out on the other hand on on the other side on dry ground and almighty great egypt was swallowed up in the sea so are you gonna trust me so solomon what are you doing with a foreign wife now for clarity you can marry a foreign person that's okay It's not about what language they speak or what they look like. It has to do with where is their citizenship. If you pull out your passport, it should say citizen of the king purchased by Christ. So you find someone who doesn't look like you that you're committed to for life, praise God. That's great, but that's not what Solomon did. It would be like him saying, and Solomon formed a union with Al-Qaeda's wife. ISIS was... Being peaceful to Israel, and so Solomon married one of their daughters, the king's daughter. It's not gonna go well. And if you look at chapter 10, how, how many think marriage is a, is a good thing? Oh boy, we better pray. How many think marriage is a good thing? Right? Oh, good. Okay, well, Solomon had 700 wives. Now, how many of you think that's a good thing? Oh. <laughs> if the ushers would come, this brother's about to die. <laughs> 700 wives and 300 secondary wives, official girlfriends, concubines. Lots of them were foreign. And it's strictly forbidden. Why? Why? Well, because the Lord said, for this reason, a man will leave his mother and father, their closest relationship, and cleave to his wife, and the two will be 1,001. No, it doesn't say that. And the two will become one. If you go after foreign wives, you will start to be swayed and you will leave your devotion to the source of life. Our one hope, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why, as a minister, I can marry two non-Christians and I can marry two Christians, but I can't marry... a Christian and a non-Christian because I'm not allowed to tie one of the Lord's little lambs to one of the devil's billy goats. It's not going to go good. It's going to lead you astray. It's going to distract you from your primary purpose, and that is exactly what happened to Solomon, and it's something that can happen so easily to us, okay? So the simple answer, the simple question is, how did this happen? Point three there. The simple answer is right next to it in big letters, easy, it was easy how it happened. Over his 40 years reign, it didn't happen overnight, but it happened over 40 years of reign. As his wealth increased, as his reputation was increased, as his army increased, he, as his complacency increased, as his wives increased, he left his devotion to God. So you can look in the bottom of your outline there and you can write in. Uh, it's possible to succeed in life according to worldly standards, without obeying God. If you read Proverbs, and you read Ecclesiastes, and throw in Job for good good measure, you can have a lot of wisdom. And you will succeed in many things. But hear this, and I want to say this as sensitive as possible. You know, there's, a, there's a, a verse in Scripture that said, some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our Lord God. Uh, by the way, the reference there is, is 426. It's wrong in the outline, my bad. But life becomes hevel, meaningless, a vapor, and empty, and disturbing, and you lose your peace and your joy when you lose your focus on the king. I don't want that for us. Hear this, you can have all the success in the world, but if you don't succeed God's way, your life can become an epic failure, and that is not God's heart for you, but he's going to let you do, he's going to let you make choices, and there's forgiveness, but there's consequences, so have that long march in the same direction in obedience. So how does this all happen? Easily. So, um, I now need help. Uh, so, I need a super passionate Penguins fan. Do we have one here? Oh, boy. I might be in real trouble. I want you to come up. I need a, a Mark Miller. Are you a Penguins fan? Yes. Oh, come on up. All right. Why he's coming up? I saw something interesting. I majored in German. And Check this out. Uh, there's, I saw this, uh, and that's a, that's a belt buckle on a Nazi uh, uniform, and it says Gott mit uns, which means God is with us. Show the ring now. That's World War II. World War I, 1914 or 1918. God with us, right? Well, whenever we get our priorities back, I'm I'm giving you time to come up, Mark. Come on up, bud. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to get in the drum cage next. But Whenever we get that priority backwards, God's not like our genie. We're, We're on God's side. So we can't get it backwards. All right, Mark, I got some questions for you, buddy. Oh, do, you, do you know, uh, you didn't know there was going to be a quiz. Mark is one of my favorite people in the world. Say hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Did it work? OK. All right, joke. Check. All right, so uh, who is the coach of the Penguins? Mike Sullivan. Yes, you got it. It's not Mike Tomlin? Nope. OK, he's also a coach, though. Correct. All right. So, I want you, we look at this card here. It says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. By the way, take this with you. Put it on your fridge. Put it in your Bible. Memorize this. Look at it often. All right? I want to show you how this works. So, if you're Mike Sullivan, mm-hmm. you're looking at this F here, right? And that stands for focus on God. Make your priorities, make his priorities yours. Not God mit uns, but we're with God. So, when you're thinking of Mike Sullivan, what do you think he's thinking about? Now, has he had a fairly good career? Yeah. All right. So what, are you, what happened in the last two years? Well, he we won the Stanley Cup. Back Somebody's saying, like, Lordy God, right? So what's he thinking about? What do you think he's afraid of? Uh, not three-peating. Yeah. <laughs> so he's sitting there. It is okay to have a little fear of failure, right? God's not going to a fear, spirit of fear. Don't get me wrong. So what do you think he's going to do? So. Here he is, he is focused on not losing the Stanley Cup. He wants a three-peat, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a ring for the other hand as well. All right, so here it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So if you put God first in your life, he's not like, "Ah, I tricked you. He's gonna help you with that. And it says he rewards those who diligently seek him. All right, so first, can I call you Mike? Sure. All right, good. Tell Sid I said hi, okay? All right, so first is focus. Second is what? examine 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 what your choices before you act all right so he wants to win the Stanley Cup he wants a three-peat so what's he going to do examine his choices and what choices might they be Players, uh, practice time, preparation. Yeah, how do we keep Sidney? We can get rid of Flurry, even though Bob is devastated. You know, and you know, but he's gonna check this out, and he is gonna be laser focused on his task, and he's gonna look at every single choice because if he makes a bad choice, might cost him a goal, no more Stanley Cup, right? Or his job. Or his job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What's A? Apply what you know, obey what you know, and just do it. Yeah, that's like a Nike endorsement, unintentionally. Obey what you know to do. So what's he going to do? He's going to see a player, he's going to see plays, he's going to see this, and what's he going to do? Apply it. Apply it. You're so smart. <laughs> yeah, and it says here, uh, the, uh, but be a doer of the word, not merely a hearer. So you, if you know the right thing to do, just do it. If you don't do that, you're in trouble. And finally, are you having fun up here? Yes. I knew it. This is very fun. I knew it would be fun. <laughs> All right, remember what? The consequences. Yeah, every attitude, action, and word matters. It's said that when, whenever we sin, something somewhere dies. So when it comes to Mike, he's going to be focused on winning. He's going to be examining every single option that he has. Then he's going to act on that. And he's going to remember, man, if I make the wrong choice, I could be in deep mustard. They're not going to have a parade for me. All right. Give Mark a hand. He makes me laugh. All right. So... Do we have security? (laughs) All right. So the one who fears the Lord. Uh, So this is just to fill it in because I know some of you are are visual learners. Uh, The fear of the Lord. The one who wrote the fear of the Lord didn't fear the Lord. He wasn't. It's like Mike Sullivan not being afraid of of losing. So he loses his focus and says, you know, hey, we've got two under our belt. I'm going to go fishing, right? Well, maybe he's fishing now. But let me tell you, in the back of his mind, he's thinking, I want a three-peat. You know, I want that. What is fear of the Lord? This is important because uh, we want to make sure we understand that. A healthy respect for God. you right in respect. Fear of the Lord is healthy respect for God, knowing God's boundaries and applying and not crossing them. There's universal principles you cannot violate without devastating consequences. So how do we get the fear of the Lord It's by not having a divided heart like Solomon. But having a heart that says, I am going to follow you, especially when things are tough. You know, Sunday morning, you guys are all singing well. It sounded so good in here. And by the way, the band can come back up. Uh, But during the week, when your company says, well, that's not really our policy. And you need to keep things to yourself. And you need to compromise here. Or when your friends are doing something, or when your family's doing something, and there's the temptations. It's so hard to resist. But God will enable you not to exist as we, if you hear the words of Jesus, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Focus on God, make his priorities yours, and he will reward you. Learn to trust him. There's a big difference, finally. Between David's life, the man after God's own heart. The man after God's own heart had people in his life speaking to him. How many of you have gotten in a life group? I want to encourage you to join a group. Joe Ertis there, he says, they're allowed to come to the men's group, right? The ladies go to the women's, you men. Why? Because you need someone where you can let your hair down, not me. Let your hair down and say, this is what I'm really like. These are the real struggles I have. It is a gift. And then you need to be in a context where you're going to have people speak into your life, where you're going to look at the Bible like this and go, wow, I'm I'm going off track. And if you do that, you'll be blessed. So David allowed Nathan and Abigail and others to speak into his life. That's the first step. A few weeks, we're going to have life group signups in the lobby. Find one. They're relatively normal people, I promise you. You won't be sorry. Apply what you know. You say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this situation. Well, do you know the first thing? What's the first thing you can do? Take the first step you can do. If you take the first step you can do, the next one will show. And then the next one and the next one. And then finally remember the consequences. Things did not fall apart in Solomon's life. Until after his 40, t- towards the end, and then afterwards when the kingdom split and Brian Widman says for the next 370 years, they were cursed and there was horrible things that happened. Why? Because Solomon lost his focus. Much, even worse than losing the Stanley Cup or the Super Bowl. That's not what God wants for us he says, hey, have me in the center of your life. I will be the light, as they're going to sing, and I will make you a blessing to generations to come. I'll break those family patterns that have been passed down to you. I will bless your socks off. I dare you to try, because we have access to one wiser than Solomon, the one who's able to keep us from falling. Cling to Jesus and your life will matter, and it will not be an epic failure. It will be an epic blessing. Make this, uh, make this song your prayer that the worship team's going to sing, and then we'll wrap it up for the weekend.